let's talk about LinkedIn. So LinkedIn uh, was bought by Microsoft for $25 billion a little while ago. And they've got three ways they make money. So the first way is LinkedIn Marketing Solutions, LMS, which is their advertising business, which we'll talk about more. The second one is LinkedIn Talent Solutions, which is all the recruitment-related services, job ads, um, recruiter tools, etc. And then third is LinkedIn Sales Solutions, which is like really CRM and premium and all of their sales tools. So they have three, three ways to make money. Um, LMS, LinkedIn Marketing Solutions, is their biggest revenue. It's about 40% of the business today. And it's growing at a rate of 40%, uh, which is faster than the growth rate for LinkedIn Talent and LinkedIn Sales. So LinkedIn, I think by kind of 2020, will predominantly be more than half their revenue will be from advertising. Um, so they, um, it's about a $2.2 billion ad business right now and uh, growing 40%. So Rob Norman, former Group M CEO, who's joining um, our, our team as an advisor and likely board member soon, um, he's also an advisor to LinkedIn's marketing solutions business. So that's how we got the introductions at you know right right at the top. So LinkedIn has about 650 million members or users that are on LinkedIn.com, and most people like probably don't spend as much time on LinkedIn as I do. Uh, although I don't actually consume content in the feed. I just produce content for the feed. Um, and most people who use LinkedIn probably just use it for searches of people versus like browsing through the feed. So as a result, um, LinkedIn has a lot of like people, a lot of very important data on those people and who they are and where they work and things like that they're into professionally, but it doesn't have a huge amount of engagement and usage. So as a result, the amount of inventory they have to run ads is low. Um, so they're, they're, they're constantly sold out. And LinkedIn is perceived as very expensive from an advertising perspective. And the reason for that is just this, there's just not that much supply. So the average like CPMs on LinkedIn, and we've run LinkedIn ads ourselves, they're high. So they're like 50 to $100, um, where Facebook CPMs are like $10. So the social category, which is not really social, but they get compared to Facebook all the time, advertisers see them as expensive. Most of their advertising revenue is lower funnel. Like they operate on a CPC model inside LinkedIn um, Marketing Solutions. So they're not really doing branding campaigns, or even if they are, they're charging clients on a CPC model generally. Um, So they know they've got a fraction of the budgets and they're trying to grow a much bigger ad business. So how did they get more supply? They created the LinkedIn Audience Network, which is their off-platform. So on-platform inside LinkedIn.com and their LinkedIn app, off-platform across the web. So in the LinkedIn audience network, they, um, they, it's, it's app inventory, and that's like random apps on the long-tail app developer ecosystem, and they buy app inventory through open exchanges in terms of app supply. So what does that mean? It means they target like you as a LinkedIn user inside apps. And apps have much better like audience uh, and data for, for targeting purposes. So if LinkedIn, um, so the bid request comes in from an app SDK uh, to an ad exchange, and if uh, LinkedIn gets a match saying like that user is a LinkedIn login member and an advertiser is targeting that LinkedIn member, then LinkedIn bids for that ad space and because that's worth a lot of money, they generally win in the auction. So it's all about scale so they can increase match rates so they can place their ads. 
So it's not that they run random ads, they're, they're running ads targeted to LinkedIn users who appear to be using, who are using apps or found to be using different apps. Now here are the issues with the LinkedIn audience network. One is that super low quality inventory. Uh, it's completely random, so it's very, very much like the open slash dirty web or app ecosystem. Um, there's no curation, there's no quality. It's like the complete opposite, frankly, of what LinkedIn stands for. Um, so it was like engineered as a technical solution in the sense that it was like, okay, let's let's engineer and build our way to getting more supply. But the entire like sales organization completely hates it because it's, it's so low quality. Um, <clears throat> but the people that built it within the product organization kind of love it because they're like, it satisfies the job. Um, but it's not really because they're not able to, to, to really grow the business. So inside LinkedIn, they're having a lot of conversations about the strategy to how do they grow their off-platform business? Because to become like from a $2 billion business to like a $4 billion business, they need more supply. They're not going to double the amount of people on LinkedIn or double the amount of usage on LinkedIn, but they need to more than double the amount of inventory. So they need to go outside of LinkedIn. So that means off-platform. So Polo represents a very interesting opportunity to, uh, to help them with off-platform through a commercial partnership. So unlike our Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, which is like the anti-Facebook, Instagram approach, um, we showed LinkedIn completely what we're doing. We're like, here's what we're doing with Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And we showed them, here's what we could be doing with LinkedIn as well on our own, like irrespective of taking a LinkedIn looking format and LinkedIn assets and then running them on publisher websites. And we basically have said to them, like, we're going to, we're doing this. The market's asking us to do it. We're going to request through publishers for LinkedIn formats and we've built them and we support it. <clears throat> so that's, that's happening. Now, the interesting part of the conversation is we've said to them, we can keep doing this on our own or we can do this together. And if we do it together, then you as LinkedIn can participate economically. Uh, and then you can also bring some unique value to the table. And the two things LinkedIn would bring to the table would be um, their data. So instead of it just being a LinkedIn ad running on like SPH, it would be a LinkedIn ad running to LinkedIn users on SPH. So there's 650 million users and finding them on the publishers that, that we work with. <clears throat> so that's one thing that LinkedIn would bring to the table. A second thing LinkedIn would bring to the table is a sales team. They have a thousand person sales force around the world supporting this $2.2 billion business, which is bigger than, you know, the publisher teams, you know, at least within our HVP segment, cumulatively. So if you go to polar.me slash LinkedIn, you'll see kind of this landing page we built to show them this vision of a LinkedIn trusted publisher marketplace. So it's basically like TPM branded for LinkedIn and how it's different than the polar TPM to the market is that you have the addition of LinkedIn data for targeting users. Um, and then it's something that's sold by LinkedIn versus like normal TPM, which is sold by Polar or kind of the Cadrion one, which is sold by, you know, the Cadrion team. Um, <clears throat> so what would it be? It would be same Rubicon supply, um, either as like the option package, if we want to we're on LinkedIn to pay, pay us a CPM fee, and then buy the inventory more cheaply, or it would be the Rubicon PMP, um, which uh, you know we get paid for behind the scenes. <clears throat> so that's the that's the supply. It's our publisher, so we'd be responsible for that, and it'd be our SSP, i.e. Rubicon. The DSP uh, in the short term would be AppNexus, which LinkedIn already has done. 
So LinkedIn is already has a buyer seat on AppNexus. LinkedIn has lo- loaded in their 650 million users into AppNexus. And that's the, the DSP that they're using for starting to run uh, some campaigns on the web, um, mainly around pre-roll video. They're using AppNexus DSP. So that would be like a short-term way, which actually involves no product work for them or us. Um, medium to long-term, they would integrate it into LinkedIn Campaign Manager, which is the equivalent to like Facebook Ad Manager. It's their buying tool, and that's how they power the LinkedIn Audience Network into the open exchanges. So LinkedIn Campaign Manager is basically their own in-house DSP um, that has not only their data but their you know own optimization and attribution tech built into it. So then. <clears throat> You know, they would build, frankly, a connection between like LinkedIn campaign manager and the Rubicon SSP because that's their DSP. And they might, frankly, already have that too. And then over time, you know, if we go publisher direct through header bidding or through PDE, then, you know, it's not Rubicon, but then it's LinkedIn campaign manager into like PDE into, uh, into the publisher stack. Um, so that's like the workflow. It's actually really straightforward and simple. Um, the format we know, it's a LinkedIn post running uh, in, in, in the web, um, and then the metrics are, are standard. <clears throat> so that's, that's, the, that's the opportunity. Like, it's super attractive to the sales leaders because there's not much investment they need to make from a product perspective. Now, um, the hurdle we need to cross is convincing the product team um, at LinkedIn that this is a good thing to do. Um, and that's what the sales team is, like, worried about. The sales leadership. We're working directly with the head of sales, like he's in charge of the $2.2 billion business. Um, the product team naturally thinks that they should just build everything themselves. And their first blush at this idea was that they already do it or that they can do it themselves. And technically, a company that size can do anything, but it doesn't mean that they will and doesn't mean that they should. <clears throat> so uh, next week, we've got uh, a call with some of their product leaders and a lot of conversations are happening pretty much on a daily basis right now internally between sales and product. Not about polar, but really about like, are they open to partnering to grow their off-platform business or um, should they keep building it like uh, on their own and keep on their trajectory? Um, so what's the pitch for polar or for anybody, frankly, as to like why they should partner? So one is their current inventory is all app-based, which means it's lower funnel, CPC, performance, type campaigns versus web-based, which ties into display inventory, which can be sold on a CPM, higher margins, brand advertising. So web versus app is a difference. The second part is like the trusted web versus the open dirty web. And Polar has all these trusted publisher relationships, especially in the B2B category. Um, the third is like one-click creative and all the underlying engineering, or even if it's one-minute creative, like making that simple and easy versus what LinkedIn does today is like take raw assets, which involves production costs, which involves approvals. Like the sales leaders have said that there's so many clients who are Facebook only that the reason they don't run on LinkedIn as well is because they don't have assets or they don't have the time or patience. So we obviously solve that problem. Even like porting Facebook, Instagram assets for LinkedIn ads is like an offshoot of that. A fourth differentiation would be like full support of third-party measurement. Inside LinkedIn, um, they're pretty closed. So like mode, IAS, like third-party trackers, like 
they do some things, but not enterprise grade, not at the level that the industry expects. And then the fifth one is social format. That's our user experience, which are big, beautiful, versus native formats. So even the LinkedIn audience network ads, um, they look like native ads inside apps, and they, they, I haven't actually seen them, or I've seen a bit of them, but the feedback we got from the sales leadership is like, they look terrible. And when they see our formats, they're like, your formats look beautiful. So web versus app, trusted web versus dirty web, one-click creative versus manual production, third-party measurement versus first-party only, social formats versus native formats. Um, those are my like quick notes on like how I plan to position the opportunity to partner commercially um, with us versus um, continuing to build on their own. And frankly, this is the exact same pitch that we're making to Nextdoor. Nextdoor, we're further along because they do not have a build versus like you know, partner bias. Um, they're already partnered for their audience extension. It's obviously a much smaller business next door, uh, much, much smaller. You know, I don't, I don't know if it's more than a hundred million, um, in revenue. So it's probably 5% of LinkedIn size, but they're going to move faster. So you've got LinkedIn, um, next door. Uh, we're going to work our way to Pinterest, might even work our way to Twitter, but they have Mopub, so they might already be covered there. Um, and there'll probably be other, other tier two social networks, um, having a conversation with Reddit, um, there might be others in this category. So we could think of these, I think of them in the direct case or in the agency case in terms of our channel. And basically it's our supply, it's our format, <clears throat> but then it's white labeling it for them uh, to sell to their clients. I think what's unique about LinkedIn and Nextdoor versus like publishers or agencies is they have data. They have a way to find their customers, which means the ads should be more effective because they should be more highly targeted. Um, so that's a long brief on tier two social networks and uh, strategic kind of partnership opportunity for us.